Episode number 31 of the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. I am joined today by Robert Pollock. You may know him from the Flow and Vent social media on Instagram. I believe you have Facebook. Um, and Robert, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to everyone who doesn't know who you are? Thank you for joining. Yeah. And, Thanks, uh, Mike, for having me on, dude. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. You know, yes, uh, one of the dudes behind the Flow and Vent movement podcast, Instagram, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know. I, I think I like to think I'm kind of humble, a little quiet about it, but you know, I work in the in city of Passaic in New Jersey. Um, we're in between Newark and Patterson for those of you that are, you know, trying to check it out on the map. Um, been a volunteer since I was in high school. I'll be straight up. I was one of those kids that joined in high school for credit, didn't know what I was doing kind of thing. And, you know, it stuck, it stuck to me and we are where we are today. Um, I've written articles for both firehouse fire engineering, um, New Jersey's F and bulletin that comes out monthly for like, uh, anybody that subscribes to that, any of those union guys and, uh, I teach at a couple academies and, uh, you know, we're here today to just chat it out see what's going on in the, uh, in the leadership world. Keep it simple. There you go. Thank you for joining us, as I said before. And, uh, you know, as we talked a little bit before the recording started, um, the goal for today's episode is going to be leadership through unprecedented times. And I think there's a lot of things going on in both the world, the country. I mean, it may be affecting each and one of you, each and every one of you individually in some way. Um, but specifically the fire service, there's a lot of challenges and things and shortcomings that are going on right now that, I mean, I know I've never heard of. I, I've never experienced um stuff that guys hasn't even haven't even talked about we're talking we're we're, we're working through right. um you know it's a post-covid world i'm not a covid guy i'm not a political guy I, I leave those separate off my podcast but um things have ripple effects and well, i'll leave it at, i'll leave it at that yeah. um so that's the goal of what i want to talk about today and again like you know we talked about this uh uh prior to the recording starting so let's go through that Let's talk about some uh, unprecedented stuff that we're going to be doing some leadership through and just, you know, how more how important, consistent, genuine leadership is more now than ever in the fire service. I mean, I'm sure everybody listening, you and I have been through things, good, bad and everything like that. Um, but from the leadership aspect, it's <laughs> like you said, it's, it's especially unique in today's world. Right. So not only is the fire service evolving and, you know, there's a generational gap and, and people can blame it on whoever or whatever, but moral of the story is we kind of have to look at it, you know, square on and see what's going on these days. So, you know, the old school, I mean, we always joke about it. You know, it was a cigarettes, a diet Coke and a couple slices of pizza and a bench press, right? That was the back of every like really buff right. firehouse guys were always just kicking indoors and having fun. Sure. But in today's world with the cell phone, and, and, you know, the access to media and just the things we're seeing every day, again, not trying to get not don't want to get political at all, but it's around us every day. Um, the crazy whether you you know, it's crazy, whatever. Um, and we have to tackle it. We have to have, we have to take it on and figure out a way to train to keep our, our brothers and sisters motivated and in, into the job, you know, because even though, you know, you hear this in every newspaper uh, article, whatever, like. Yes, in theory, you know, like those great fires are down. I'm going to call them the great fires, you know, the big burning jobs. And at least in this area, things are changing mm -hmm. up. But the workload we're taking on is completely evolved, right? So for the mid-Atlantic, northeast New Jersey area, you know, dealing with, um, you know, active threats potentially and more and more that personal interaction with people, families, everything's kind of, it is changing a little bit. Yes. For, you know, the fire service has always been there to be there to help out with that. But now like, how do we bridge that gap? You know, how do you tell, and again, I'm straight up. I never had military time or anything like that. I was just a, a first generation college boy that fell in love with the job. Um, but how do you take people that, you know, may have grown up differently, um, whether it's entitled or whatever words people want to use. And now you have to mesh them, you know, with, that that those salty guys that are that are completely raised in a different world you know decades ago how do you build that how do you push that and for being a young officer um in the uh seen in, in both career and volunteer fields you know it, it is tough because 
you know, getting that gap is huge. You know, how do you go up to somebody that's got 30 plus years and tell them, Hey bud, you know, we, we kind of have to push this way. You know, you could try to talk to them, obviously use you, you know, I don't, I hate to use the word using somebody, but like use them to their advantage, ask them for their help. See if you can, you know, maybe they can cultivate something to change and you could be that mediator between both worlds. It's tough. You know, it's more, um, I don't want to call it more work on us, but you know, you, you, you either you either get voted in and you want to become an officer in the volleys, or you take the test and move up because you want to, you know, you want to lead and you want to do make a difference at least at the company level to start, and then wherever you end up, you know, um, it goes. You know, it is what it is. But uh, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's a lot of work that I think all of us as leaders in in today's world have to, you know, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say like, this isn't just about the white shield or the paycheck or in some places you know an extra couple badges here and there it's like it's you're you're taking on responsibility you know everybody always talks about the responsibility at a job and the high stress high environment things but what about the day it's a commitment yeah right like yeah and i think and i want to jump in here real quick and i apologize for cutting you off but i think one of the biggest the biggest um challenges at least in my experience Mm-hmm. And, and and listening to people talk and I mean, and doing this podcast thing, I mean, I've learned a lot doing this as well, obviously, but one of the things that I've found is a consistent challenge amongst officers and people that are in leadership positions, regardless of their rank, even as, you know, firefighters, obviously you don't have to be an officer to be a leader, just a senior firefighter is to push and motivate the older members mm-hmm while still somehow pivoting to be able to pull up the younger ones. So you think about it, right? So you're this middle guy or girl or whatever. And, you know, you got the old guys that don't want to do nothing. You got to get them on the same page because you have these younger guys that are worried about their phones and all this other crap. And you have to figure out how to talk to the quote unquote younger generation by while still motivating and, holding the older generation to the same standard. And then the younger generation sees the older generation. They want to be like them, but they don't understand what the older generation has worked through, done through, been through all that stuff. Right? Absolutely. So they, that, and that's the funny thing is, you know, we, I don't think we talked about this, but something I've had other discussions about before too, is you can't allow what you see on social media and hear people talking about with the good old days, be your reality. Absolutely. You, this isn't the nineties. It's not the eighties. We don't ride the back step. We don't wear three quarter boots. There's quite frankly, no relevance for any of that in the fire service anymore. It's over. It's old. It doesn't right. work. Right. Is it fun to talk about? Yes. Is it cool to reminisce about? Yes. Can you make social media posts or have little groups where you talk about that stuff and, 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 you know, enjoy those times in the fire service? Yes, you can do that. It's fun. It's cool. That's great. But you don't bring it into work. You don't actually try to do it. Like you shouldn't be walking around right now, you know, with three quarter boots and your running coat on because you're yeah. a driver. I think that yeah. looks absolutely ridiculous. And right. You know, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no. And that's what I'm like. I think what we have to, I'm going to keep using we as, as you know, because we're the modern day fire service. Today. No matter sure. how we look at it, whether it's today, tomorrow, 10, 15 years from now, they're going to be like, Oh, I listen to that podcast. And you know, you never know. And that's, I'll jump into that a little later with influence and, and, you know, what we're all doing these days, but, um, you know, and the responsibility that we have now, like, you know, we're doing here, um, yeah. but to circle back to like those, you know, those good old times and things like that. Like I feel, and I, I've had a good experience with, you know, my old timers and my super senior guys, like listening to their stories and then giving them the time and to understand what was going on, why, why, why things happen and whatnot, but the lessons learned from it and how, you know, you apply that to today. So I'm not saying like, listen, back then, like you said, three quarters and, and boots and whatnot, but you listen to the guys that said, Hey, yeah, I went out and bought my own pair of bunker pants. Cause it was taboo at the time. It was new and stuff, but it saved me in a flashover, you know, or something like that. And how, you know, the guy today, Hey, I bought my own gloves, but the city issues you stuff. Yeah. But I'm going to, you know, take it out of my own pocket to start benefiting myself, which in turn will benefit my company, which in turn benefits the department. Cause you know, you're more, um, whether it's comfortable or just, you know, more adequate, more equipped to operate, you know, where there are some certain pitfalls. So even like the, you know, everybody always discusses the kitchen table, um, being the great equalizer and stuff like that. And I think, uh, where I'm at, I'm fortunate enough where that still held true. I think that's, uh, you know, we're still doing good with that where, listen, you sit where you sit, you know, everybody has their, um, uh, their seats. And as you, 
whether rank up or move off the engine to the truck or sometimes you kind of rotate a little bit in-house and at the end of the day you know you know just discussing things that have happened and why and what was relevant then and how it impacted them through their careers that's how we can learn as a younger generation yesterday we ran a smells and bells just like overcooked food you know a little oven thing and my battalion's like you know this lady comes out and was talking to my battalion chief and he's like dude that lady remembers me when I was when I was a kid. You know, we're talking over 20 years ago. Like that, if, if for the young generation, if that doesn't resonate with you, like, wow, eventually this is going to pay off or eventually, you know, everything I do today is 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 always being watched. It's always doing something, but you never really know who you're going to touch. You know, whether like firemen, civilian, family, everything we're going to do is going to, is somewhere uh, making a mark on somebody's life. So, Yes. Um, and I want to jump in again and, and I apologize, but a uh, huge full circle moment, probably six, seven months ago, might have been a little bit more than that. Um, I was at work and um, the department that I work for, we do cadet programs um, where they bring in the youth of the mm-hmm. area. They send them to a couple high schools and teach them up, you know, all that stuff. And then uh, they have the, uh, I guess, opportunity to become employees of the fire department. Sure. They still do everything anyone else would do, but um, the whole goal is to bring the community into the fire department, right? Mm. I mean, there's still standards, there's still all those things. Right. Uh, but so I had a very interesting aha moment where a person came to work overtime on my shift and him and I were talking, we were all kind of, you know, shooting the breeze or whatever. And the guy, I've been at this firehouse for almost seven years. The guy who's in his very early 20s, he might even been 19. I think he might have been 20. But either way, mm-hmm. very, very, very young. And he, we were working or whatever. And we were kind of, you know, everybody just kind of sitting around eating dinner, which kind of BS. And, yeah. you know, hey, we're, you know, did you grow up in the county or whatever? He's like, yeah, I grew up over on this street. Well, that street is less than two miles away. And he knew who I was because I've been on his street. And I've been to his house wow. on calls. He knew exactly who I was. He saw my name. He's like, I know you. I've seen you before. You know, this, you know, this, that, or the other. I was, I think he said he was like 12 years old, 13 years old, or whatever he was, a teenager. I forget the exact age. And uh, I apologize for the work, not remembering that. But, and I'm just sitting there and I'm just looking at him. I'm like, so you're telling me we ran a call, somehow interacted with you. You remember exactly who I was. And then, you joined our cadet program and now you work for us and I'm sitting here looking at you and you're working on my shift. Right. It's crazy. Blew my mind <laughs> and not, not in a bad way or anything, but in my mind, I'm like, well, shit, I don't even remember that call. I have no clue. And I felt bad cause I don't remember, but in the same token though, too, I can't remember every single, um, interaction and all that. But what, right. what it really solidified was, is everyone is always watching you. Everyone will always know what you're doing. And I'm just saying the fire department in general, but specifically leadership, yeah, specifically the company officers, because typically you're going to look different with your uniform. You're somehow, some way you're going to stand out. And one thing that I've noticed and seen, um, and maybe it's my own observations, I don't know, but like you can tell by just what, scanning the room when everyone's kind of doing their thing, who's in charge. Right. Right. You like, does that make sense? No, you can absolutely. see their command presence. So, you know, as a citizen, you can tell who's kind of running, running the show. And that's the whole point is mm-hmm. everyone knows who you are. No, everyone knows who you, is that how you say that? Yeah. They know who you are. <laughs> they know you're the dude right. in charge. You may have some gold. Your uniform may look different than his, a different shirt, you know, like a gray and everybody else is blue. I don't know. Whatever. Right. White. Everybody else is right, blue. Right. But the whole point is all eyes are on you and people don't forget absolutely anything, right? And so you could have had a bad interaction with that too. And then this guy could have walked in the firehouse and be like, hey, yep. dude, you don't remember me. But, I remember this. Yeah. And that's the craziest thing, man. I, I That's one of my big, uh, I guess, full circle, not an aha moment, but that's one of my bigger full circle moments mm-hmm. um, in my career. But I had a couple. I had one when I was a firefighter where – I didn't have such a great interaction with somebody and uh, I was kind of like, I blew him off because I was young and stupid and I didn't really appreciate uh, kind of what I was doing for a living. And uh, 
come to find out that person was related to one of the deputy chiefs in the department. And I found that out the very hard way when yep. that chief showed up and was like, Hey, let's talk real quick. And happens not a, not a good day, <laughs> but um, the whole point that I'm making is, and kind of exactly what you were getting at as well was, you know, the full circle things, right. How you interact with people, um, the impacts that you leave. Right. right? And, and this is the citizen level. Because if you stick around anywhere long enough, you're going to start to know people. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to go different addresses. They're going to know who you are. Right. You know, and then you start finding yourself, at least me, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm the only guy that does this. I don't think I am. But, you know, you start taking a personal attachment to things in that area. Right. So, like, another company comes in or another unit comes in and they start acting like, you know what? And you're mm-hmm. like, whoa. And you find yourself being like, not like. I mean, you're going to, you know, as an officer, you're going to be like, whoa, like, that's not how we act on this job kind of thing. But in the same token, you'll find yourself being like, you're kind of crossing the line with me on a personal level because how you're acting. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because even with the, like, you know, not to jump back to the uh, the public eye and presence and stuff like that, but like for those that aren't officers yet or whatever, like it's not always somebody wearing brass that's in that position, right? It could just be, and it doesn't have to be salty 30-year-old vet. You know, you may see somebody in a, in a high-stress environment that's been experienced been sh- that's been able to perform in, in you know in these in these again high stress environments and it might just be a fireman and you know just knowing when you're calm cool and collected like i like you said i remember going on a couple little things here and there where sometimes people get a lot of hyped up things are going on and you're just cool, cool as a cucumber walking through something and like you said the people know you know and then you unfortunately fortunately in our area i mean you could look us up on youtube every we've got a lot of the fire video buff guys by us and, you know, we use it to, I believe, our advantage where not only are we looking at, you know, how do we do, let's keep ourselves humble and, 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 you know, recap what happened operationally, but we'll watch to see like how guys reacted and then, you know, keep ourselves true one with one another. Be like, dude, <laughs> you kind of went a little local on that one, you know, slow it down, maybe like process things a little, a little bit better, you know, take a second to, to realize, uh, excuse me, to realize what's going on, process it, and then make your next move. Cause next time maybe you won't be so jittery or something. So those cameras are, you know, double-edged sword. They can be phenomenal for us. They could be horrendous against us. But again, coming back to the people aspect of it. And even for me, like my community where I'm at now, like it's, it's very interesting to start seeing, um, you know, cause we're a very diverse city. Um, a lot of ethnicities, a lot of things going on there. And it's, it's kind of, like you said, it's kind of cool without getting too specific on it to see, you know, how, like you said, if you're going to a, you know, one building often or a certain area of town, um, you know, for that's not the greatest sometimes, but you're able to operate through it and people know who you are and you respect them and they respect you. There's no beef, you know, it's, it's, um, it's part of the job. You just got to yeah. stand a person. And every, you know, yeah. it was a long way. I don't know. I mean, I've had a few, I don't know if you've had experiences, but there's been a few times where like I've been out kind of doing whatever on a call or not on a call, uh, like running errands or whatever. Sure. And somebody will come up to us and be like, Hey, you guys came by my house not that long ago, you know, whatever. Hey, thing, I just want to mm-hmm. tell you, you know, I appreciate it. And I don't, I don't remember the call, but they know who right. we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, if you, if you were kind of an, you know, an a-hole and didn't respect what they had going on and, um, They'll remember for sure. It was a bad interaction. Just think about that. You know, it could have uh, that could have created a confrontation yeah. um, in that in that moment. Um, but you know, culturally, um, you got to be respectful of people. You got to you know understand and know your place as well. Because mm-hmm. again, that goes and um, yeah, that goes and pays back into um, what your guys and girls see you doing. Because if yeah. you don't even respect people on calls. They're going to see that, right? Mm-hmm. The guys on your shift, they're going to know that you don't even treat anyone with respect, even the, even the citizens. How, how are you going to respect them as, right. as people on your shift? And it's, it's a constant interaction. It's a, or a constant um, something you pay into, which, again, you know, to bring it right back to what we talked about as far as what the, the goal for today was, our unprecedented times, staffing shortages. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big one. That's a real big one. The people are, the workforce is strained and, and, you know, people are on edge because now it's affecting their families. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people could, I don't want to say could care less, but 
not getting as much money or losing out on overtime is much different than not being able to go home at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and then when you start taking time away from people's families, you're going to start seeing a very, very ugly side to really good people. I, right. I think there's comes a point where everyone or not everyone, excuse me, there's a comes a point where the individual has had enough. And, and, you know, this is in these times that we have now, um, the post COVID world, all that stuff that are kind of taboo topics, but this is where we really need to step up. Sure, Can you talk to us about, uh, let's talk about, um, you know, some unprecedented situations and, and uh, not situations, but uh, leading through difficult times. Let's talk about sure. that a little bit more. Um, I mean, I think it's, listen, no matter how you look at it, we're all, we're all going to experience it one way or another. Um, we're all going to have to, you know, work through it and just being able to communicate with one another, I think is the biggest, the biggest thing um, by us. We run three on a rig, right? Um, a driver officer and either a tillerman or just one firefighter in the back. So, you know, to hit the short staffing, you know, we're pretty well versed in it. And I'm, I know there's places in the country that are better. There's places that are worse. It's, you know, it's, it's the game everywhere you go, but for us, it's, it gets, it gets crazy sometimes. Cause you know, you have to, you got to be up to par and you got to be humble. And the word I'm trying to get to is like, you got to be aware and humble and, and real with yourself on your capabilities, you know? So as a firefighter, whether, you know, you look at it yourself as a senior guy, I mean, you could be a senior guy with, with the years in and the experience or just based upon the, the luck of the draw with your, you know, your shifts and operate and what you've caught in your, in your short time, you know, the experience factor may help when you're, you're trying to, I don't want to say you te- you're trying to teach your your uh, like your fellow colleagues like same age gap same same time on the job kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. I think that that does make a difference because you know some places go some folks will complain about this or that but you know if you keep your head down keep working hard and get through some things they see that all right maybe it's not too bad what's going on let's let's get through it um, you know we we kind of by me we had a couple of crazy events in in my short tenure and um, you know just seeing years later for me to understand what happened, you know, we lost a, a member, one of our, uh, one of our probies just came off probation, passed away due to COVID easy. And, um, you know, it's still, it's still a sore wound, I believe. Um, and I'm like, the guy, if you ever meet guys that I work with, I'm more of a quiet guy in the firehouse. Um, but when it comes to like technical stuff or a job, I'm like, I'm that guy that pops out of nowhere and, and uh, likes to hustle up a little bit. And now I'm finding myself where, you know, I'm on that transition to, to the officer world and the career world. And I feel that I have to learn to speak up more and be more open. You know, you don't have to march orders or bark orders at people, but just kind of everybody's got to at least understand where people's heads are at. So one thing that I was taught by one of the senior truck guys when I was a probie, uh, he's now one of the lieutenants with me. And, um, you know, he always, he always said, he's like, dude, I don't care about your background. I don't care if you're a volunteer, if you're paid, whatever. But if you don't tell it, I'm, I always mess up the quote, but it was along the lines of, if you don't teach me what you know, it could get both of us killed kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, me, I came in as a volley, you know, I was an officer in the volunteer world before I got hired and all teaching, training, all that kind of fun stuff. And, you know, our, our department's a bulldog workhorse kind of department, right? Four engines, two trucks, um, an on-duty chief. And we just, you know, we work with what we got. We got minimal staffing and we work hard and somehow we're able to, to, uh, to do our jobs. And um, that started to resonate me that quote started to resonate with me more and more now, the older I, you know, got in the system. And I see myself just, you know, attrition of time. Guys are retiring. New guys are coming in Andrea. I'm still keeping my mouth shut. I'm sitting here like, you know, I got to step up. I got to start speaking. I got to start saying, and I'm not saying, you know, there's two extremes to that. You could be at the kitchen table, the loud guy that just makes a, a fun environment and gets crazy. Or, you know, you're the bulldog that's going to work through everything. And I found that just kind of that humble part makes a big key because everybody like going back to everybody's watching um you know in these crazy times you know one of my younger guys is like dude i've seen days that you've had bad days when you walk in and they bounce you around or whatever you're floating or something like this you they bump you up your company and we can just tell you you know you're gonna have a an attitude about you for a little bit until you cool <laughs> down after lunch or something and that really didn't hit me until you know recently i'm like i can't be pulling this kind of bs like even though these guys know me and you know we work together uh, you know every couple of days to, it's like, you, you can't do that. You know, yes, we're human and you can walk in and say, listen, I'm having a bad day or this is going on at home. I don't need to know all your business, but enough that it keeps us out of trouble. Because if I'm not talking to my crew or, or my colleagues in the house and I come in and I snap at them, 
You know, it's it's different when you're the officer. It's not fair. It's not fair to the guys. It's not fair to your, the rest of your officers in the house, your, your chief. You know, you got to keep that open communication. And I think not the easiest way. Right. I read a, I was reading Jocko's um, extreme leadership yesterday. And it was like somebody came up with the um, the quote. I got a, I don't have the quote on me, but it was like simple. One of the Brazilian jujitsu guys, it was like simple, but not easy. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, I read that and I like, I paused for a second. I was like, as much of a, I'm gonna mess up this phrase if it's an oxymoron or whatever the 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 correct grammatical word for it is but like think about it like if it's simple but it's not easy you know you're like wait a second it makes a lot of sense because it's really easy or it's it's really simple to do x y or z but you know how do you do that you know how do you accomplish or try to take care of what you're trying to push you know going back to training and keeping the house in order during crazy times whether it's staffing you're working you're mandated you're, you're staying on overtime which, you know, going back to the family part, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a newer dad, you know, my son's only 16 months, but it's like, oh, congratulations. Oh, thanks brother. But it like, until you're in that spot, you don't understand what's going on. And I think sure. that's the miscommunication that many young folks or new, not even young. I had a guy that was in his sixties that joined the fire department under me and was like, he's our new guy uh, in the volleys. But, you know, growing up through the ranks in the volunteer world as an officer, you know, you try to impose, you try to really push a type of culture, a type of understanding in the system. And sometimes like it just doesn't work, right? Some people will not like it. They don't love it. You know, they'll try to fight you tooth and nail, but until you experience it, you know, for me, it was always like, I always had, when I was a chief in the volleys, um, we had a strong group of twenties through thirties, forties uh, and fifties. Those guys were kind of in and out. And then we had the really, really old timers, the guys that didn't even ride, but they hung out in the back table. Coffee club. And, uh, the, yeah, absolutely. The coffee club. <laughs> It's true. It's everywhere. It's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm tracking. I'm but, tracking. But um, you know, until I experienced my stuff, I you know, I started talking to more people. Just living life, I guess, is the uh, the most life naive experience. To, yeah, the most naive way to say it. Like, I never really picked up on like, you know, I need this guy here. He was one of my chauffeurs at the time, but he just couldn't come because he had his kids and sports and this. So, you know, for anybody that's in leadership or learning, like. You know, just getting, just, just listening to people is a huge thing. Asking, hey, how's it going? You know, hey, so-and-so. What's up, Mike? How's things been? How's the family? What's going on? Yeah. You never know what you're going to learn in a quick conversation that could totally set off, either set off or set you up for success in your company. You know, you may know that, you know, so-and-so is having, something's going on and it's like life altering, but they keep it behind the scenes. But now if they let you in and they tell you a little bit about it, you may be able to work with them or coach them up or, you know, you know, change the, the agenda of how you would pursue something or train on something. You can, you can mold your team a little bit better, you know, sure. And more success. Exactly. And, and I think a lot of the time and people talk about, I guess, complainers, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the right way to say that, but there's people out there that they don't, they don't want you to fix their, and that's the other thing as an officer, yeah. actually, what I was getting at, they don't want you to fix your problems. Right. They don't want you to come in and change whatever the problem's going on. They don't want you to say, oh, I'll hook you up or, oh, oh, that's happening. I'm not going to stand for that as the officer. I'm going to go pull. Str-. No, like there's things that you need to understand that are going to be out of your control as an officer. Yeah. Does it suck? Yes. Are there things that you can address to fix it when it's not right, especially when it comes to one of your guys being kind of shortchanged on something or, you know, it's a little little uh egregious for one of your guys yes absolutely fight that tooth and nail but there comes times where hey you're i don't know what you're detailed today and the guy's pissed off right all right well you can be as mad as you want still here i can't change that right and you 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 still need to go to your detail right but i'm gonna listen to you 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 know what i mean Mm -hmm. and anyway that's the point that i'm making is what i've learned and i've experienced i feel like is a lot of the times when people just start going, I don't stop them. I don't, I don't, I just listen. Right. Sincerely listen. I don't just listen to let them talk, but you know, it, it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting thing to be a, involved in where you instinctually, you know, you're not there to fix their problems. You're just there to let them vent and listen to them. Mm-hmm. And you can even learn that in any customer service book. Typically, when people make complaints, they don't want things to change and you to wave a magic wand. They just want to be heard. Right. Right. And what I've learned over time is when you allow people that are under your command to vent 
and talk and get whatever that stuff is out. I feel like they feel better about it, but I feel like subconsciously maybe they know they can come to you and talk. They know they can vent to you, but that needs to be a two way street of, Hey, look, I'm more than happy to talk and all that. But if the, if the situation needs to be a certain way, it's going to, I can't change. I'm not changing it. Sure. Right. There's things that are just out of my control that I can, I will lose that battle. And the more times I fight that battle, I'm going to, it it attacks my integrity or, you know, people stop taking me serious. And then when I really need to go to bat for you, I'm not going to have that. um, I'm not going to have that edge that I need. Right. And that that takes time, right. To build up. It's a lot of time. Yes. Hey, I got the bar today or you voted me in tomorrow. Um, It takes time and effort because even stepping back and seeing our environment, like we were talking about, uh, Mikey from the, pod, the podcast, you know, he's a phenomenal fire chief, you know, like volunteer world. He's, he's had a lot of experiences in this area. And like we were saying, like that dude's built up his credibility and, you know, his, his presence as a chief, just not based off those few jobs, but how he's handled certain crazy situations that they've encountered. And I was a chief in another town, you know, at the same time, and we would bounce ideas back and forth all the time. Um, and a lot of it, you know, it, it makes a difference. Even, you know, not company to company, but if you're higher up on, on the, uh, on the brass scale, like sometimes you can't go, um, down the chain for advice or, or venting or questions, even if we're friends, you know, that, that creates problems. It's, it's tough to sure. admit, it, but it's true. Like I'm not, yes, you're not going to talk to your Lieutenant or a fireman and say, so-and-so had a problem or this or that, or this is broken or we can't handle it. You have to go outside your realm sometime and just have that good working relationship with other like ranked, I guess, like ranked, like peers. You have to, yeah, you have to have a good uh, you have to have a good peer system, a mentor system, right? Absolutely. You have to have yeah, uh, colleagues. Maybe is a good is another sure. good one. I know that. Um, I'm sorry to jump in again, yeah, but good. I know that there's times where I deal with situations or, or something um, comes up or goes on where I'm not going to the battalion chief or you know, regardless of what I'm doing. It, I'm not just talking about my shift. I'm not saying that. I'm but. I'm on overtime. I'm I'm on a trade somewhere. I'm doing whatever. Things come up no matter where you go, right? That's just the whole point of, or that's just kind of the way it is as as an officer. And um, or observations. I'll hear stuff. I'll be like, oh, that sounds like a weird situation. What would I do for that? Well, I have a couple people that are in my back pocket as far Mm -hmm. as people, my go tos. I have like three people um, that are similar rank line officers. I'll go right to them. Hey, dude. This is what this is the, this is what's going on. This is what I'm thinking. Here's my plan of action. What do you think? You know. And then there's times where you don't have that option. Situation right. presents itself, and you need to act. Right. Right. That's just the way it is. And you know, I, I do think it's a good thing to be able to, um, if you have time, make cons- make a consult. I guess that's how you say that. You want to you want to bounce it off someone else, and that should be somebody that's uh, a co- at that colleague level. But you know, you, a really good officer that I worked with and uh, retired as a battalion chief out of my department um, always said, "Be careful who you vent to because you never know where your leaks are." Absolutely. And that's not because people, you know, as somebody that uh, retired from my department, he retired as a battalion chief. Uh, his big thing was. Um, you know, be careful who you vent to because you never know where your leaks are. And that's not to attack the credibility of anybody that you work with. But what I think that quote meant, and the more I think about it now as I talk about it actually was, I mean, there was always the reality of, you know, somebody's going to say, oh, yeah, got you. Yeah, man, that's terrible. And then they're going to run back and tell somebody, mm-hmm. right? There, that's always a reality. Yeah. Um, but I think the bigger thing is as well is you know if i'm talking to bill about richard's problems right well bill's probably sitting there thinking well wait a minute if he's telling me everything richard has going on what is has he told people that i've told him and you're eroding your integrity right Mm -hmm. so when you talk to people um outside of the situation you know, you need to be careful and make sure they're trustworthy people because other people don't need to know everyone's business. Yeah. But I feel like it's different when you go for advice and consulting with another uh, officer or uh, peer is much different than gossip. Um, so that's why I think just in the fire service and in life, you need to keep your circle super duper small. 
Um, the people, I, like I said before, there's three of them, mm -hmm. three people that I talk to, uh, all three people I've known all 16 years of my career, um, before I was ever promoted, before they were promoted, you right. know, all that. And, um, you know, they got promoted earlier than I did and all that stuff. I've worked for them in, individually, directly, all yeah. of them. And, and they're people that, you know, I know I can trust and, um, I've trusted them with things and, you know, every time they've shown that they're trustworthy. And I think when you're able to develop that small circle, you're able to bring issues to them to be able to better yourself, to be a better Absolutely. officer. Absolutely. And you need that because like I said, it like we're both saying, you know, straight up, it could be personal stuff, operational stuff. You know, sometimes as you move up, you're going to have to discipline, you know, discipline is a tough part of life, let alone being an officer sure. where, you know, things are on the line more, more often than none. And being able, like for me, like my group um, is outside of my, of my department, right? And one of the ex-chiefs that I'm very tight with, still talk to him, you know, a couple guys, Mikey's one of my guys, and it's always just the environment, right? And that, you know, circling back to the flow and venting, like even when we're teaching or discussing things, like there's a open conversation with many of us, you know, like Matt from uh, Matt Pags from Boogie Down. Um, he's always a guy that I'll bump an idea off of just something crazy happening or what's going on. Um, Jimmy from Blue Collar, just he's down in South Jersey working. And if something happens by him, you know, what happens by me? Um, and it's always been something. Again, it doesn't have to be leadership, just little things like, hey, what's going on with this contract? What do you guys do about this? Do you handle these kind of situations? What happened by you? And it's network. It, that's it. It's huge. It's network. Yeah. And what was big for my experience as a volunteer fire chief, we had a, I won't go crazy into it, but we had a fatal fire by us. And what I felt was extremely beneficial with networking and just having those open conversations with people that, you know, created these strong bonds were get, getting more resources in quicker for, you know, like the critical incident stress debriefings and all those SIDS teams, uh, especially when you're talking, you know, with, with the, the firefighters that I have, you know, the huge generational gap, you have guys that were 17 to, you know, 17, 18 to, like we said, those, those, uh, those coffee table folks and just being able to pick up the phone and say, Hey, what's up, man, what's going on? Um, we just had a really shitty day. I'm unfortunately working, but start the cavalry up there, man. These guys are going to need it. Worst yeah. case, they know they're like, Hey dude, if they, if the guy up there says no, no problem, we'll turn away, but we got you, you know, we'll try to help you out. No big deal. Um, yeah, the mental health's got to stay, uh, you got to keep that in the forefront of your mind as well. I mean, I know people throw mental health around, um, I don't want to say lightly, but I feel like, um, sometimes it's more treated as a buzzword than it is sure. or not more often. It's, it's, the world's changing, dude. It's like, I think, it, yeah, I, I think it's, I think mental health is very, very important, but I think it's just like anything else where people can use it as a buzzword, sure. but I think there's genuine people out there that are doing really good things for the mental health aspect to where all of us, especially officers and leaders need to rem keep that in the forefront of mm -hmm. our mind is those under our command and those we interact with, we need to make right. sure we look out for their mental health guys and girls. Right. It's just, it's just, it needs to be in the forefront of your mind because that's the modern fire service and the modern society today mm -hmm. is mental health. It's changed, right? Going back to talking about like the old salty guys and you know, the warriors and all that crazy stuff. Like back then it was different, right? Generationally, you know, not to go all history, but you, you guys have, you know, post-war veterans in a lot of these jobs that had a different experience and a different way of dealing with things today. Now you had this gap of, of I don't want to call it development, you know, but like it's a whole different environment for many of uh, many of us that have grown up in the world today. And unless you came from, uh, you know, not such a great background or, you know, you came from immigrant parents or, or you, you know, you were a country guy, you know, a country farmer, you know, a, break, a blue collar worker growing up, like, it's, it's different. Um, you know, one thing I want to hit on just how I feel with, um, with leadership and, and training in the fire service, it's, it's changing a little bit. You know, I've seen that, you know, luckily with the Leary firefighters foundation at work, we got a grant. I was fortunate enough to be part of, uh, this company. I think they're called mission centered solutions. They do this whole thing. Like, you know, it's a week long process. You learn all about leadership and, and how to biggest, the biggest, um, thing was communication, right? The biggest stress point was how to talk to people, how to decipher just basic language, what I'm trying to tell you, nothing technical. It was a week on discussing stress and how to just efficiently communicate. Um, and obviously in turn, that would make a difference on the fire ground. And 
it's making a, I think it's making a huge change in, in the fire service today. Cause even, you know, growing up, I don't know if you had a similar experience, but like up here, you know, being so close to New York city, a lot of the guys and, and my wife's family is a bunch of, a bunch of city guys. Um, you always watch like the nine 11 documentaries and the rescue me's and all this kind of stuff you know, mm-hmm. from that era. So, uh, Captain Metcalf, I, I met him at a, um, you know, obviously he's in the one documentary as just a fireman on, on the squad, um, and rescue four, but, you know, I, I got to hear him speak once or twice. And just the stuff you hear is like, wow, you know, years later, it's still applicable. Um, you know, who's the other guy? I'm totally going to mess his name up. I gotta look it up real quick. But I was listening on my way to one of my uh, task force type meetings. I got to pull this podcast up because it was just crazy. But you always hear the quote. I mean, in our firehouse, it was always thrown around up here in the volleys and the career world. Um the difference between Navy SEALs and firefighters, you know, like, and um, I'll pull his name up right now. See, I'm not, I'm not really familiar with that oh, quote. This one's a good one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Where am I going to mess this? Of course, I'm going to give you that. Oh, uh, Captain Liam Flaherty. I don't know if you've seen him. He's a big Task Force One dude for them. Um, I apologize. Metcalf was a boss in the documentary Brotherhood. Uh, this gentleman at the time was just a fireman and he talks about like you know and i always i always teach not to go on a random on a, a rabbit hole but like for me when i teach firefighter one when i get a new guy in the firehouse at work i have them watch that documentary you know because there's so many quick life lessons in the firehouse thrown in that hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes that these guys just are able to you know they capture the perfect moment the perfect uh message was said and, it, and you're building it, culture absolutely that's what you're building. You're, I mean, it, whether it's a documentary like that, uh, the Brotherhood one, yeah. or whether it's, a, you know, a sit down 20 minute talk or what, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's your building culture. Sure. So one thing he talks about, um, Flaherty talks about that they had a meeting, you know, post 9 11, they're working with the SEALs and all the teams coming in, you know, beefing up the security and all that stuff in the city. And um, he was talking about how the SEALs were impressed with how firefighters operate, you know. Like when they do their their uh, their missions and their ops and stuff like that, they have time to plan out what they're doing, you know, what they're going to hit, how they're going to, you know, they have model homes and everything built up. You know, they train on these houses. They do all this extra work. They build, you know, the target house they're going to work on. Us as firemen, it's just John Wayne time, right? We pull up, every window's smoked out. We have never been in the house. There's a good sure. thing. Depending on our district, you've been there maybe once if you're lucky on, on a swap or something. And then, you know, we're expected to work at such a high operational efficiency like those guys are, that there's no room for error. So how do you develop that culture? How do you train to that? And it comes down to communication and leadership. If you're not willing to be the example for your guys and girls, then, you know, you're kind of not doing justice to that officer spot. You know, you're just taking that bar, you're taking that white shield and you're just putting it on. You're not really, in my book, at least, you know, pushing, you know, I always said, if I can't do something, I'm not going to make my guys do something like that. If I met, if I, if that made sense. So yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? Like if I run some sort of crazy drill or if I expect you to, like we, in our city, we run the uh, roof rope uh, um, operations like the city does. But again, you know, they got five, six guys. We have three and it turns into two, it turns into one. So like for us, as much as we've been fortunate enough to never pull it off, like we train on it weekly and it's, you know, God forbid we do have to pull it off. I have the personal confidence that, you know, me and my guys could pull it off. But, you know, how, you know, what's too much? And, you know, at, at one point, you know, as we start evolving with technology, with equipment, with, you know, how we operate, you got to be like, all right, enough's enough. Or can we still do it? Um, which I want to flip to, you know, me being a, I wasn't an alumni of Colorado, but I spent a year out there at school and just seeing, you know, this week, right? Colorado plays TCU. TCU went to the national championship. Colorado was like last year they were one and eleven. I think in the last ten years, when I was there, was the closest they've gotten to five hundred ever. So <laughs> that school, that program, that environment, just being a fan of the college was like demoralizing for a long time. Like you know, you know I, I always rep them, but now you know they get Deion Sanders. You know, I'm not here to get political on him or you know being an athlete or whatever, but just seeing what he's doing in the media. Right. What do you, you know, at first it was, oh, he got rid of the kids. He didn't get rid of the kids. He's given kids opportunity to play, but it all comes around that culture that he's building. Right. So, yes, it's only one game. Tomorrow they could totally blow it and lose to, to Nebraska next week. But what I'm trying his to team get at, sees, his team sees what he's doing in the media. They got a full, they're That's buying the point into too. Him. Absolutely. Yeah. They're buying sure. into him. 
um, you know, to his message, his program. He completely changed the the the, uh, the operation there. I remember going there. You'd go like going to see the football game was no big deal. Now there's like wait lists and ticket things and like it's a whole operation. Why? Because people are buying into his program, right? The school couldn't pay him when they picked him up, but they said no problem. Just let it go. We'll work with it. You know, he, he gave him the shot. It was vice versa, two way shoot of communication. And now there's potential there, right? All the kids are buying in. The students are buying in. The players are buying in. I mean, look at the, you know, the media outlets are starting to buy in. Fox News, you know, not Fox News, but Fox Sports, you know, college game. They, all these people are like, wow, you guys just, we said you were a joke. This wasn't going to work. You know, money, money, money. And now a complete culture shift has occurred. So why can't we do this in the firehouse? You know, it, it, for them, it took one, one person, right? A, a solid leader. Whether you like the guy or not, you like Colorado, you like sports or not, just, you know, using that as a case study is something that, you know, is huge because, you're taking a team that completely performed horribly for almost a decade. And now they're playing a rank, you know, the number, let's call them the number two team of last year. And they're able to pull off such a win just by believing, practicing, working together and buying into the culture. So why can't we do that in our own firehouses? It's going to take time. It doesn't happen overnight, but sure. you know, I feel you know like something everybody's got to start looking at a little differently, you know? Sure. And you know, that kind of touches on a few different things as well, because everybody knew who he was before he got there. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you know who Deion Sanders is, you know what yeah. he's about. Um, he coached another team. He had his entire yeah. career. Um, he played baseball. Yeah, baseball and, and football. He was the Cowboys and I don't know the second. Is team. it the Indians? I think he played for Cleveland. I think he played for the Indians or maybe it was the Reds. Maybe it was both. Either way, <laughs> probably they know who he is. Right? <laughs> yeah. they, they know who he is. Right. Um, for some reason, now I think it was Atlanta. Yes, I don't know. Anyway, was yes. it the Braves? And then the Braves, and they play the game. Up That's in, it was. That's yes. in the playoffs. That's when that crazy day happened where he played two or three games in one day or something. That was like on ESPN, this crazy documentary where he was like, he had a, a regular season football game, but played in the World Series game, but then flew back for the football yes. game. Something crazy like this. Yeah, so they know who he is. They know his background is. They understand where he came from. They know that um, he's been in the spotlight, right? So the parallels for that is as an officer. They're going to know who you are. They're going to know your reputation before you get there. They're going to know, you know, they like you or not. It doesn't matter. You have a history and everybody's going to know absolutely every little thing about you before you even show up first day. Right. So when you do that, you show up and you have to create your influence. Right, wrong or indifferent, regardless of where your shift is at, the firehouse is at, the department is at, I guess, if you come in as a new chief, I don't know. Um, You come in now and they're going to know your reputation. It preceded you. And your reputation could have a good influence or a bad influence. Deion Sanders seems like he had a pretty decent influence. Um, And, you know, he created a culture. He instilled his beliefs. And then they all they did with it, they started practicing and training and applying all of it. Mm -hmm. He um, was able to, in my opinion, you got to know how to read the room. And I think he knows that what he says in those press conferences, how he carries himself the things that he says to certain people a certain way, mm-hmm. everyone sees that. And that all goes back into that leadership uh, uh, piggy bank. You know, um, I also feel, feel like that he made changes on that team, if I remember correctly, and yeah. a few other teams. Um, you know, I do believe that it's a lot of uh, being able to read the room. Because if you think about it, <clears throat> I don't think he intentionally was vocal because he's a vocal guy. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like there's a time to be loud and a time to be quiet. There's a time to Mm -hmm. just shut up. Right. As a, as a leader. Um, And that touches on what we talked about earlier about, um, you know, knowing when to be careful who you vent to, you don't know where your leaks Mm -hmm. are uh, employees with issues and personal problems. They don't necessarily need you to talk. They want you to listen. Right. But you have to know how to read the room. And I think when you, are able to catch that balance, it's going to make the team stronger overall. Um, and I think then you're going to start to get small victories like this. This is a football team that beat the number two team, number two national team last year, and they beat them. That's an accomplishment. Right. That's no different than having a new crew. And any officer is going to know what this feels like. You have a new crew. You don't know a whole lot about them. And you kind of you get on the same page. And your first big test is that reps fire. It doesn't have to be a major fire. It could just be a room off. Right. A nice reps fire. You go through your go through your steps from leaving the firehouse to stop to pulling up, pulling a line, masking up, 
water on the fire, done. Or if you're on a truck, sure. truck work, whatever it is. And that's going to give you a gauge. You're going to know, all right, cool. We did this pretty good. We did that not so good. Let's figure it out. Let's train. Let's work. Let's move forward. Um, and it'll give you a gauge of, of where you're at. And then those small victories, those small reps fires, because any to me, any fire is a big deal sure. um, because – you know, reps fires are just as important as the big ones because you could have a couple reps fires that don't go so great and then you know it and you work on it. And then that, mm -hmm. that big test comes because that will come right. as an officer. You're going to have that test, that fire that does not go great or that fire that will go great. Those are going to happen. You're going to have fires that are going to kick you right in the teeth because you're going to run a couple of them that are going to go great, 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 great. Man, you're going to be on top of the world. You're going to be, man, this is right. easy. I got this. And then reality's coming and it's going right. to knock on the door and it's going to kick you square in your face and then you're going to get knocked down you have to build yourself back up and that's a team thing and then you could also have it where you go through those different calls you know you have things you need to fix and then full circle thing we talked about before that situation is going to come right back and your team's going to be tested again and you guys are going to knock it out of the park hopefully right that's kind of what he's going through. It's a good, I don't want to say an analogy, but it's a really good comparison into the fire service, especially when it comes to taking a group of individuals and accomplishing a goal. That's the whole point of being a leader, right? You know, I think in um, good teams, I think that the players uh, do what they tell you to do, but in great teams, the player do players do the right things because they want to. Right. Absolutely. That's any team. That's any team, right? Um, you know, and I, something else you touched on a little bit before uh, with people that was, you know, surrounded you and, and you know, building your um, building your network up and all that. There's a couple comparisons, I think. And the quote is and I don't know who said this, so I do apologize. But it's um, if you want to go somewhere fast, you want to get somewhere fast, you go alone. Um, and if you want to go far, you go with others. And the mm -hmm. best example of this is if you are not a fast runner. And you go out and you run with people that are very fast. They're very good at what they do. You run, you run a 12 minute mile or 14 minute mile. And these guys are running 10 minute miles, sure. right? After a while, you're not going to be running that as fast as they are. You're not going to be, you know, running 10 minute miles, but your time's going to go up dramatically. Mm -hmm. You know, improve, so you just no have what. to surround yourself. What's that? Yeah. You're, you're going to improve no matter what. And Correct. Like so that. no, go ahead. Now I'm, I'm, I'm feeding right off. Like that's, that's the biggest thing too, you know, as a leader, as you know, how do you, how do you combat toxic leadership? All these, all these concepts that we were going to, we were going to dive into and staying humble and, you know, making sure that you just can keep pushing forward is having that network of, of people, of good mentors of, you know, whether they're on the job, still retired, they don't even have to be in the fire service. You just know people that are successful or, you know, into it for the, for similar reasons. You know, you don't have to have the same lookout on things, right? It's always good to have some sort of, counter network doesn't have to like all your colleagues and and, and uh, people you bounce ideas off of don't have to have the same mindset they don't have to be or not mindset you don't have to have the same exact um uh, how do i write this down uh, dang i lost my train of thought but you know what i'm saying you don't have to have the like you guys don't have to be robots like this is the way this is the way this is the way but as long as you have kind of that same mission oriented approach where you know hey i just want to make my company better I want to be there first. I want to put the line in service first. I don't put the fire out first. As long as you have, you know, one motion forward, that's a common agreement, or, you know, everybody's on the same page on that. I think there's more success in that than saying, oh yeah, we all like, you know, leather helmets. Yeah. Sure. Cause we could all like leather helmets, but you know, the guy doesn't know how to tie his shoes or put his gear on. Right. Nothing's going to turn out well, literally, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that's going back. Yeah. To like the keeping receipts comment, like, you know, you were starting to hit a, a little bit on, you know, the press conferences and stuff. Like when that stuff happened, like, I was like, wow, this guy's really, that's a leader. You know, like he called out the media straight up, like, listen, guys, you said we weren't going to do this. This isn't this. We did it. Now what? And that's where people get uncomfortable though. Right. Cause that also comes back to staying humble and, you know, making sure that there's some humility left in your personality because you catch a couple of good jobs. Like you said, a little burnout here and there, things are going well, but the moment you do uh, face, a little, uh, you know, what was it? Tribulation, I think is the word, you know, let me try to be. Tribulation is the right word. Like it's, you know, you're, you're, you're in a tough spot. Like do you just turn it off and get frustrated and, and down and out. Or do you look yourself in the mirror? Do you look at the company and say, God, you know, do you put it on yourself? Like in the, uh, the Jocko book, right? Do you own up to what's going on? 
Do you say like, all right, listen, dude, I'm the boss and it's my fault that we haven't been doing X, Y, or Z. You know, it's not always my guy's fault or my girl's fault for, for, um, you know, some sort of performance or, or in our case, you know, the, that last job, maybe it was, listen, I got lazy on streets. So when I expected you to do X and we didn't pull in in a certain direction, that's my bad. You know, I got lazy on it. Or are you going to be that person that sits there and goes, now nah, you don't know your streets. It's your fault. Absolutely not. You know, it takes a team and you want to be a good officer. You balance. Know, absolutely. You want to make sure that that toxic stuff stays out, you know, and again, like toxic mentality, leadership ideas, like when everything goes snafu, you know, how do you have a more resilient company? It's just, you know, developing that callous mind of, Things will go wrong, right? Like I said, my one of my um, the one battalion chief I'm I'm pretty close with that I always bounce ideas off of. He always said there's two, you know. He always said when you, when he got a new guy, there's two rules he always taught him, right? Uh, rule one is people die, and rule two is we can't change rule number one. But you're here to to mitigate as best as you can, you know. Yeah. So that's something that I took back to my volleys and was like, guys, not for nothing. This is gonna sound kind of grim, but you know, this was put to me in a different light. This is this is it. This is what it is, and unfortunately. It's life, but we're here, you know, as firefighters, as leaders, you know, responders, cops, fire, EMS, whatever, you know, to mitigate those situations as best as we can. And how do we get our, our troops, our people through it? You know, like it's, it's a, it's a fine line, but at the end of the day, we're human, we're people, we got emotion, but we got to do our jobs and, you know, developing that, 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 that strong company that, you know, is, is not only humble, but, you know, trained up, educated, and able to react when you know, you know, options A through Z, both as like we mentioned early on, you know, for personal problems or operational problems, maybe it's something as stupid as a flashlight's missing. And you know, you know, the office is going to get haywire on you unless you figure out what's going on. You know, do you, like you said in the beginning, do you call and hey, it's, it's lost, or do you take the extra two, three minutes to find out who used it, where is it, maybe you find it and mitigate a bigger headache, you know, little things. It doesn't always have to be the shit kicking fire. Like you said, it could be as simple as you know, for us, what's for dinner tonight, guys? Yeah. Right? Come on, that could turn yeah. into a mess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, definitely. And, you know, and you bring up very good points. And, and I think it's always a buy-in. And I think, you know, it's all about – or not all about. You're mostly – I think your most difficult times when it, when it comes to leadership and, and being a company-level company officer will always, always, always be interaction with your personnel. Absolutely. That's always going to be the most difficult part. That's going to be the most uncomfortable part. Um, you know, I had Ed Glassman on here and he said, I'd rather, I'd rather run a million fires that go terrible than to deal with one personnel issue. If I had to choose either one, he's like, that's just the way it is. And fires that go bad suck, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, with, with that being said, I think this is a great place to, uh, wrap this up. Um, you know, overall we have to take care of each other. Um, we, we know the, the, the. I don't know how to say this the right way, but we know we are all we have, right? Um, we have to take care of each other. We can't rely on anyone else. Right. I'm not saying, you know, no. no one else is coming. We're it. I'm not yeah. saying that at all. What I'm saying is we can count on each other at that, at the, the, the shift level of let's take care of each other because there's no one else. You know, that you just you can't trust other people, but you can trust each other as a team, and which is why you are a team. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you reiterate that. Take care of your guys. Take care of your people. Um, or take care of your guys. Make sure your guys take care of each other. Excuse right. me. Um, you know, and and that's just the way it is, unfortunately, especially in today's modern environment. Put um, for your company first, and things will work out. And you know, exactly. You're a genuine person. You're good. It's going to work out. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap this up? No, I'm good. I appreciate it. I mean, you know, I think think we hit on everything. And uh, All right. Well, Rob, don't go anywhere while I close this out. Um, (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your time. I I greatly appreciate you. Thanks, brother. I appreciate the opportunity. You're very welcome. Uh, Everybody, thank you again for listening. Thank you for your time. Um, You know, stuff's getting a little tough right now with staffing shortages and just life in general, the economy, the just the world. Things are kind of a little, little haywire, a little more crazy than I remember growing up. But, you know, hey, um, just take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. You know, if you need help, talk to someone, um, you know, check in on each other. Somebody else looks like they need help checking on them. Um, so, again, please leave us a five-star review. 
Uh, it's our favorite. It's going to help us grow this community. Um, like and share and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Post about it on social media if you want. I'd greatly appreciate that. So, everybody, thank you for your time. Uh, tip of spirit leadership. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Thanks, guys.